Hollow Mountain Publishing presents The Pond, book one of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 33 Full Moon The proceedings week took on a pattern. Every chance they got, they were at the lodge learning how to fight. It was decided they would work on their mental capabilities on Friday night and Saturday. This way they could recuperate from the horrible migraines on Sunday. Jackson was relentless in his teaching. He would have them do the same move over and over again until they had it perfected. Being athletic, Katie was naturally competitive. The others followed suit, trying to beat each other in their play fights. Each time the team would perfect a new move, Jackson would have a counter move, which would make the original move obsolete. Katie wondered if he did nothing but work up new fighting techniques while they were at school. Lizzie was the first to figure out how to project clothes. The next week, Candy had the technique mastered. Unable to stand it anymore, Katie worked on it during the week. She was able to figure out how to do it the following week. Tyler soon followed suit. Jackson worked with Lizzie on her ability to project a daydream. She had the others step out around the yard to see how far she could project. They soon figured out she could project 25 feet radius from herself. Jackson worked with her until she was able to quadruple the area. He had her change the scenes from winter to summer. He then worked on her to change the scene from outside to inside. She eventually could create a scene from anywhere she wanted to. Through the week, she would look up pictures on the internet and recreate them. It kind of freaked everyone out when she got pictures from the space hubble. They all knew they were still standing on the floor, but each felt like they were floating in space. When they all reached a point where the migraines weren't so bad, Jackson would introduce another mind exercise. Eventually, he had them split into partners and see through each other's eyes, the way he did with Katie the first night she changed. It took several tries for Katie to finally allow Candy in. Reaching into Candy's mind, Katie was able to do it the first time. Looking over at Tyler and Lizzie, Katie could see they had mastered it quickly. Jackson set up an obstacle course. They, in turn, would be blindfolded. Partners would have to go through the course using the eyes of the partner who was sitting down watching the course from a distance. Trying to gauge the correct perspective took a lot of work. When Katie was trying to go through the obstacle, Candy swung her head around to stare at Jackson, who was obviously laughing at her antics. Turning in his direction, she told him to come out and try it for himself. Katie watched through Candy's eyes as he immediately frowned, his eyes turning a light gray and abruptly walked away. Katie began to wonder what she said when Candy reminded her he had been in a bad mood for a couple of days. Later that night, Katie happened to glance at her mother's calendar. The full moon was two days away. Wondering if that had any effect on Jackson's mood, she decided to watch the situation carefully. His mood became increasingly worse. A couple of times she snapped at him for being so rude. She could tell... He was fighting the urge not to change and fight. She watched him, 
as he controlled his impulse and again walked away. The doubts and fears of Jackson being a seeker were once again in the forefront of her mind. She silently watched him. As he had the three other were-animals attack him at once, he again formed a spectacular move that had two of the three at a disadvantage. She knew they had all reached a level of fighting that could beat anything that was out there. Yet every time they succeeded, Jackson rose to a whole new level she had previously thought was impossible. What if he turns into a malice? Are we going to have to fight him? She wondered. The thought of actually fighting him made her stomach clench uncontrollably. It would be like losing Sam all over again. Yet the picture of those two campers she and Jackson had come across haunted her. What if he was killing innocent people? He would no longer be the person she cared about, but someone she needed to stop. How? How could she stop him? He was so much better than all four of them combined. Katie looked back towards Jackson. He had stopped and was watching her closely. Giving him a smile which trembled slightly, she turned and walked away. The day of the full moon, Katie's nerves were shot. Getting out of the SUV, she glanced around, noticing no one else had arrived. She waited patiently for Jackson to appear. Giving the clock a watchful glance every few minutes, she realized he wasn't going to show. She remembered all the times he tried to explain the hold the leaders had over him. When Lizzie was turning, he was able to break through only a couple of minutes to warn her. She pictured Jackson in her head. He was so strong in mind, spirit, and body. How could someone or something have that much control over him? She laid her arms on the table, resting her head. She silently communicated to the others not to bother coming. She squeezed her eyes shut, remembering Forrest's words. When a were-animal gets on his knees and makes the oath become a seeker, the heart or soul of the animal leaves. It cannot live in a corrupt vessel. What is left is just an essence of what the spirit once was. Without the animal soul, the human becomes corrupt. There is no going back. They all become malice. There is no going back kept repeating itself in her mind how she hated that old man. She thought about old Elizabeth Hawk falling in love with the Seeker. She made the decision to kill him. She imagined making the decision, then asking her friends to do the deed for her. Katie raised her head. Would she be able to make that decision? Her mind immediately shied away from the idea. She didn't even have the means to kill Jackson. But if she did, could she? Shaking her head, the answer was a resounding no. The thought of losing him was something she couldn't handle. He hadn't done anything yet. She knew yet was the operative word. She would just have to keep watching him and the situation. She would learn as much as she could from him. If he turned into a malice, she would just have to deal with it. That night, she dreamed she was running through the woods. She smelled the distinct odor of death. Following the scent, she came across a campsite. The tent was made out of cloth. Odd-looking ropes were swinging in the breeze. An old-fashioned cooking pan was sitting next to the fire. Walking around the makeshift tent, she saw a black panther, head lowered over a body, blood dripping from its mouth. Katie turned human. No! No! How 
could you? The Black Panther turned and walked towards her. You said you wouldn't change. You promised me. She was crying so hard she could hardly see as the cat stopped in front of her. The panther turned human. Instead of Jackson, it was a young warrior. His naked body glinted off the sun. I didn't kill them. I saw you. The blood of the innocent killed drips from your lips. It was not me. Look around. See the evidence. The one who killed these people lies over there dead. He pointed towards a low embankment. I knew it. I always knew you would change. There's no going back. Once a seeker makes a covenant, the human becomes corrupt. She changed into animal form and ran, her tears streaming down her face. Her thoughts rang out. He's changed! What's wrong? A voice Katie didn't recognize rang in her thoughts. Hawk has changed. He's a malice. Are you sure? Yes, I've seen him with my own eyes. She choked as another round of tears engulfed her. Don't worry, we'll take care of him. She knew the choice was hers. She could tell them to stop. Her mind shied away from the decision. She wanted to beg her pack to cease. She wanted them to continue. Knowing her silence condemned the man she loved. She ran away as hard and fast as she could. She ran until she couldn't run anymore. Katie woke up, sweat pouring down her face. Getting up, she took a cold shower. Lying back down on her bed, she went over the events in her dream. Her eyes felt gritty, as if she'd been crying. She still felt the heartbreak in her chest. She no longer had to wonder how old Elizabeth Hawk felt in making the decision to kill her seeker. She knew in vivid detail every heart-wrenching moment. Katie went over the events in her head. There was so little evidence the panther had killed the people in the campsite. Elizabeth had expected him to change. As soon as she had the slightest evidence, she condemned him. She didn't even look around or listen to him. The name of the warrior was Hawk. The name seemed significant, knowing Elizabeth's chosen last name. Katie wondered if Elizabeth went over the events in her head and questioned her decision. How could she not? Katie closed her eyes, trying to ease the heartache she felt for Elizabeth. Once a decision is made, there is no going back. It has to be right. It has to. Or the heartache will not only last one lifetime, but forever. Using the technique Jackson had taught her, she reached out to him, keeping her thoughts private from everyone else. Jackson, are you all right? It took a while for his answer to come back. I'm here, Katie. Are you... She didn't know how to frame her question. Are you with the other seekers? Yes. She closed her eyes, her heartache increasing. Don't give up on me. Wiping a small tear from her eye, she shook her head. She realized he couldn't see her. I'm not. The last part of her sentence left unsaid. Not yet. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. I hope you've enjoyed this week's chapter of The Pawn, the first book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week, and our imaginations meet again, have a great day.